Hello. Hello, Merlin. Hey, Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year. You know, there's not that many Happy New Year songs. Well, there's the old old Lang Syne. Yeah, that's that was the only one I was going to say I know of. Then you got the uh, sequel, another old Lang Syne by Dan Fogelberg. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They got a six pack and drank it in his car. Hmm? Hmm. (laughs) I really thought this thing through. (laughs) No. And is that is that a New Year's song or is it simply a song people sing at New Year's time? Auld Lang Syne. Yeah. Like what is that when you translate that? Is it about a New Year's or is it just? This is like a festive oh, song we happen to all sing. That's a good question. I believe it's based on a poem by the great Scott Robert Burns. Uh, and boy, it's fun to hear uh, his poems read out loud. Um, I'll lay a sign. <sighs> Looking it up. Scott's poem written by Robert Burns in 1788 and set to the tune of a traditional folk song. It's uh, played in G major. G major. Uh, well known, especially in English. Bid farewell to the old year at the stroke of midnight by extension. It's also sung at funerals. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. What a thistle. Dan, Dan, mm. big, big year, huge year. <laughs> yes, it has been. Three, five, six. Can you believe that? Three oaths of these. Yeah, that's right. Three, five, all, six. They said, I, they said I wouldn't do three. They said you wouldn't do three, mm-hmm. and you did them all in 2017, all 356 of them. <laughs> almost all of them. <laughs> Typically, you know, uh, almost none of them were released. We ended up having one usable <laughs> podcast episode that turned out to be, turns out about once a week. Yeah, I mean, out of the, what are we doing, 10 or 15 a week now? 10 to 15 a week, most of them are just me crying. Only one of them is... <laughs> Is usable and that's <laughs> so you know tired. hobbled so together tired. from the other ones. <laughs> so tired all the time. <laughs> okay, Merlin, should we start again? Okay, I'll be better this time. Uh no, I feel great. I feel great. Uh, I feel fantastic, as the song says. Um. Uh. So, gosh, I thought I was really. I thought I was on point, but now I'm feeling like I'm a little bit out of it. I'm going to close my windows. Closing this. Closing this. I was just reading an article that was very disconcerting, and now I'm going to get on my game. How's it going? Going good. What's the weather like out there this time of oh, year? Oh, it's brisk. It's lovely. It's lovely. It's dry, drier than usual. It's, this is usually the rainy time of year, and it's not so rainy, which, I don't know. We get too much rain for my liking, but um, yeah, what's it like there? Oh, it's gotten very cold, and it's going to be getting colder. Like, the high today is 47, and Whoosh. the lows are in the low 30s and soon they'll be in the 20s and i don't, late I don't december, like that i don't like late that. december so you know it's getting a little crazy here it's 55 uh, i would i would trade <laughs> no I, I am actually i am giving a talk in san francisco in january is that right what kind of talk can you say uh it's going to be about my my favorite one of my favorite subjects which is uh which is the, all the ways i've failed oh uh and it's for like a little it's a company is bringing me out to do it and is it fail, fail conf? It is not, no. But <laughs> uh, I don't know what kind of like weather I should should I be bringing, like bundling up, or is it going to be in the sixties by then already? Summertime hitting. Well, you can pretty much follow mostly follow the classic advice, which is to wear some layers. But I would expect it to be rainy um, up through February. You can count on rain fairly mm. often. Okay, but uh, no, it'll be nice. It'll be pleasant. Are you staying downtown? If you can, say? I don't. I don't know where I should stay. I, you Woo, know, the you're going to notice the difference, boy. Prices Woo. downtown are incredibly outrageous, as as yes. usual. So, but I don't need. There's not. You know, I the don't. The rooms need are to only five hundred dollars, but most of them are urine adjacent. <laughs> yes, it's really nice, that's right? 
So, I mean, maybe I should stay outside of the downtown area. I'd stay out in a... What, do I go to Oakland or something? What do sure, I do? Sure, you could go, go, to, go to Oakland. You could go to Vallejo. You could go... Do you like roller coasters? Why not? Sure. Yeah, they got a nice uh, th- uh, park out there. They have a really good... It's a... Uh, whatever, whoever owns DC stuff, it's got like, they've got a really good Joker roller coaster. It's very good. If you like roller coasters, Vallejo, I'm telling you. All right. I'll keep a little I'll, bit of a jaunt to get to FailConf. But <laughs> I'll put it down at the top of my list. This well, is, good for you. I'm man. glad to hear you're doing that. Don't be too hard on yourself. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got a lot of thoughts about the new year. Well, what's your, do you have a resolution set, set aside or a few of them ready to go? Not per se, but there is a theme. We don't have time to go into it today, maybe for our next episode. But yeah, I've been thinking a lot about the, this started as, as a real, well, let's say what it is. I've been thinking a lot about the problems with nostalgia and sentimentality. Mm. Not that they are bad on their face, but I first started really thinking about this with regard to pop culture. And I started thinking about like how much stuff – I mean let's just state the obvious. Like most of the movies that succeed are part of a franchise or it's a sequel or in the case of you know, uh, somewhat controversially up until recently, a lot of the Star Wars franchise has been about giving you the feels about uh, previous yes, Star Wars. Yes, yes. And I, I don't know. I've just been – that got me thinking a lot about questioning, not rejecting, but questioning – nostalgia and sentimentality, especially as it is used to candidly manipulate us in one mm-hmm. way or another. And I, I won't get into it now, but I'm thinking of it on a broader, much broader spectrum about stuff like politics and how much this uh, uncanny desire to return to some sense of normal keeps us from seeing clearly. I like this. Life. I like where you're going with this. And I'm not, just understand, now. now this comes on the heels of Probably one of the five corniest episodes of Doctor Who that ever came out that had me sobbing, <laughs> sobbing through the whole thing. And we're probably going to do an episode of Do By Friday about this in the next week or two where uh, Max will be away so he doesn't have to hear us talk about Doctor Who. But Alex and I will will be talking extensively about Doctor Who and my unified field theory about why that show in particular makes people cry so much. Um, because it is, it's a show about meta-sentimentality. And, and I said on Twitter the other day that I'm going somewhere with this kind of. I was saying the other day that I think this is, I've been listening to a lot of things about Christmas music lately. There was a really good episode of which show was it? I forget. But a lot of people are talking about Christmas carols and what makes something, a, what makes something Christmas music and not Christmas music. And I think that part of what makes Christmas music Christmas music and, oh, oh yeah. So one of the themes of one of these podcasts that I'll try to find for notes was, you know, why is it that there are, it seems like there's so many things we think of as classic Christmas material from the, Pre-1900s, you know, Jingle Bells, like from the early 20th century, you get up into White Christmas, you get into this spate of songs up through the 60s, and it's like, why are there so few enduring new Christmas hits? And the ones that are hits, stuff like Mariah Carey, stuff like Wham, were not huge hits at the time, but now um, the Wham song and the Mariah Carey song are like the top Christmas tunes, 30... 35 years after they came out. Yeah. That's interesting, and, isn't it? Well, yeah. And one, I mean, this, the this reason this gets into Dr. Who and sentimentality title is that it takes time for it to become about more than just that one tune. Right. So let's, let's reject all of the songs that are just like, Oh, it's a pop star putting out a carol you've heard before or whatever. You know, Michael Bublé is a very talented guy, but it might be five years before he's really in the pantheon because part of Christmas music 
in particular, not, you know, not just holiday stuff, but Christmas music in particular, is that you have a sentimental feeling about having heard that song before. And then ha- hearing it in a different way can be very moving. That's kind of what's happening with Doctor Who. So I'm going to keep in my pocket a couple things that I, where, that I appreciate for its sentimental value. I'm not saying I'm going to become a, a hard man. <laughs> I'm, not gonna, I'm like Mr. Waltz, you know? Um, I'm not hard-hearted. She was the best. No, it's more to say that I want to be on the lookout for misuse, abuse, fraud and malfeasance in the sentimentality industry because I realize how it can be used by others to manipulate our thoughts, feelings, and deeds, but also how we can use it unintentionally to create a, uh, an unreal fog around what's actually happening in our lives. And even if you boil this all the way down to just like, what kind of media do you seek out? Like, are you seeking out this media because you're so excited about that scene in the trailer where Han and Chewie are on the Millennium Falcon and they say we're home? Right. Right. Like, there's, there's, and that was a good movie. It was a really good movie. But like, I, I, I only just saw Last Jedi Wednesday, but I'm, I'm now finally allowing myself to wade into the controversy about it a little bit. And I, without saying too much, going too deep, I think what I'm talking about here has a lot to do with people's backlash against it. Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters, look at how many people, how many 40-year-old men had their quote-unquote childhood ruined because there was a movie (laughs) with women in it. And there's all this stuff where we get so cleft to some idea about how a thing should be that we... We wallow, we wallow in our own nostalgia and create this, you know, as John Roderick would say, a seven-sided lighthouse made of dreams about this idea of the past. And so, yeah, that's my general theme. I wrote it down here, but we could talk about it more another time if you want. But what, no, I love, I love this topic, and I think you know, relating it to Star Wars is good because that's a very timely. And there is a lot of people who have come out and said, "Well, I, I didn't not, like not it. my Luke Skywalker, right? Not my Luke Skywalker, not." You know, not the Star Wars that I know. I've heard other people say that it it was a movie that it wasn't a Star Wars movie, but all the characters and effects from Star Wars were used in it. You know, and and that was that kind of better summarizes, I think, what people are trying to get at. And I, that I is, like the movie more every hour since having watched it. <laughs> you know, I liked it too. I I in the theater, I thought my main thought was Jesus Christ. This is so long, and there's so much they could have cut out. They, the Laura Dern stuff, I thought, well, no spoilers, but we don't want to get into spoilers. But yeah, I mean, my first thought was, Jesus Christ, this is so freaking long. But then I was also like, I'm not really sure quite what I'm to make of this movie. But the more I think about it, the more I really want to see it again. And the more I realize a lot of it was my own pushback against wanting to hear like a blast of horns and a and a well-deployed you know, lightsaber in a way that I understood. Well, yeah. I, think, I think the guy was actually doing something a lot more ambitious and admirable. The movie felt, okay, whereas The Force Awakens, and there's no spoilers in anything that, that I'm going to be saying, The Force Awakens to me felt very much like the original three Star Wars films, the, uh, that is New Hope, mm-hmm. uh, Empire, and Return. You know, those movies, that, that felt like a continuation of those. This one feels like a departure from those. And I think because the first movie yeah. so adequately... Conti- replicated, so replicated. Many of the beats yes, of the it, first it, movie. it it felt it felt like a continuation of those movies. Yes, some people were older, but otherwise it felt like that. And in in this movie, um, 
and I, I even think there was some subtext in a lot of the dialogue about this. They were, you know, in conversations between two characters, you know what I'm talking about, where they were literally saying, let's throw away the past, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's dump it. We don't need it anymore. Well, to me, that reads very much as a, a meta comment in that they're saying, you know, yeah, we're still in this universe and we still have some characters that are we're sort of perhaps even a little reluctantly holding over, but... This is yeah. this is new. Things are different. This is new, and these older characters maybe maybe it's time to say goodbye to them. You know. Uh, well, and but but also yeah. I mean, we're getting very close to spoiler country here. But like then like stuff happens in the third act. It's a, I think it's a bit of a mess in the middle, but um, but but the third act really has has its moments. But you know, there is there's a reckon involving. Hmm. How do I say? Mm. There's a reveal that pretty much everybody expected in this movie yeah. that didn't come along. And I think that has a lot to do maybe with how you react to this, where you feel like you were robbed. Ryan Johnson was deliberately gaslighting us through a lot of this movie, and I found it more challenging than I expected because he was upending a lot of the stuff that we were led to believe is like, okay, here's the payoff for this thing right. that you know you've, everybody's been expecting. I don't. I want to see it again, but God, it was so long. We saw it. You know, I had my first visit to an Al- Alamo Draft House. Oh, that's great. That's where we saw it. Was it was really great. It was wow. I can see why everybody likes that joint. The, isn't it? Doesn't it suck to be like, ah, it's probably not a big thing, and you, you people have been telling you to go forever, and you finally go, and you're like, okay, yeah, you're all right. It's <laughs> this really, is awesome. it's really. I don't know how they pull that, how they're going to pull that off forever, but like, it's really. Um, it's a quite different experience. And the one thing my lady and I were saying afterward, where it is like, when we learned that you could like order food during the movie, we were like, Oh God, that is going to suck. But these people, I don't know how these people don't have scoliosis. The way they run, <laughs> no, they run, they run at a 90 degree angle. And they're it's like, like I don't know how they do it, <laughs> but they're amazing. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I would like to return. To, I don't think we probably don't have time today, but, uh, well, I, it I think, is the last show of the year, I think. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. I, I'm okay to talk about, it, but I also I promised I promised Alex I would talk to her about Doctor Who, and I promised uh, Syracuse I would talk to him on the next Rectifs about Last Jedi. But I just you know, and and I I don't know why I feel the need to be so defensive or preemptive about this. Um, I, I, on the one hand, like I'm not saying that I am rejecting finding instances of the things that we love. I mean, we spent all Christmas Day, my daughter and I watched, I can't even tell you for child protective reasons how many episodes of Doctor Who we watched. (laughs) For some reason, Doctor Who is a show I really like to watch around the holidays because it has so many thematic, so much thematic overlap with what you feel around the holidays for better or for worse. These feelings of loss, these feelings of redemption, these feelings of, you know, fear and change and confronting different versions of yourself, which is a basic issue on that program, right. silly as that children's show is. This idea that you can you can see yourself as multiple people and those corny episodes where one instance, one regeneration of the doctor meets another is extremely moving to a 51-year-old man. Right, sure. Like, they have different memories. They've seen different things. And because of the nature of that, it's a very – moving and salient analogy for how one starts to think about one's life. I'm not even one of those like, oh, I want a legacy and a building named after me kind of people, but you can't help but do that. You can't help but, as you're sitting there in front of the tree with ornaments that your parents made when you were a baby, you can't help but have these thoughts of like, 
you know, child is the father uh, of the man type feelings that that show really brings out. So, so I, I neither want to say I'm rejecting that, nor do I want to invite criticism on myself for being a hypocrite because of all this kind of corny stuff like Marvel and you know Doctor Who that I like. But I just want to be I want to be more aware of that to make it just slightly political. I mean, I feel like I've been living in my. Uh, I, I read a really, really good article. In, I want to say the Washington Post yesterday from a guy who I guess uh, maybe grew up in Venezuela, but anyway, he had spent some of his adult life under the Chavez regime, and he had a very interesting POV on how to think about um, a certain state of politics right now and why it is that all the stuff that you think should be so damning are actually really helping the current, you know, inhabitant of the White House. I don't want to get political because I can't stand the email. But it's, it does make me realize that you, you should know, well, stick to talking about Apple. Save your you political owe me an comments. apology. Yeah. <laughs> I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> Alas. Alas. For so long I have been such a fan of your program. I've been there. I've suffered the comics talk. But then you have the inside jokes. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm a huge fan because I'm sighing so much. <laughs> but uh, it's it's more a way of like uh, check myself before I wreck myself of going like, well, uh, you know, wishing it were differently, different than how it is, is maybe not always the best thing. And like, if I want to see change in the world, like, how do I affect that? Uh, it doesn't mean I'm going to go and like, you know, hit people with a picket sign or something. But like, part of it, it begins with changing my own perception of like what normal is and what. And God, this goes in a million. This the, the thousand flowers bloom once you realize how much you can get wound up in your own BS, whether that comes to politics or gender or Iron Man. Like there's any of those things can keep you really wound around the axle as long as you keep thinking that like this is the way things should be. Everybody else is doing it wrong. And if things don't comport with my idea about this sentimental misty coal mining past that I have in my head, then everything, every measure must be taken to make everybody else conform to seeing, believing, and acting in a way that makes sense to an idea of mine that, that is filtered through so many years of memory and yes, life yes. and change. And like, you know, every time you rethink that memory, you alter it a little bit. And like, I mean, could, could things maybe have been different than you remember? And, and if people don't like the treatment of uh, of the Kylo Ren character, like, does that sh- should that be something we're really ready to like go to the mattresses about? I mean, really step back and ask yourself about that. Ask yourself about the mental cycles that go into go into. This came up on the last reconcilable differences uh, episode called the Bellicose Phone Booth, which is our analogy for like being stuck on with Twitter with somebody you're stuck in this phone booth like arguing with somebody and it's like I just see that so much I'm political to Twitter today the whole the whole dust up about the way uh, the president was or was not interviewed correctly in the New York Times and everybody's right. just tearing each other apart about it and it's like I don't know man I'm not I know up to a point that's valuable for the discourse but I also know that past a certain point it's just pure destruction and the need to prove that your position your initial position was right without regard to new information. And I don't know. I just feel like it's time for me to do a little bit of a reboot with my perception on that stuff. Not least because I hope it'll help me enjoy Black Panther more. (laughs) Boy, does that look good. Doesn't that look good? That looks awesome. Oh, it looks so good. I didn't know you could have that many black people in a movie. It's incredible. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> it's been a huge year. <laughs> Apparently, you can. It's going to be you know the big thing for you know, 2018 is how, be- how many people can have in, in a movie. It. That, that guy was on the wire, and now he's in a movie. It just doesn't seem right to me. Making the jump from TV to. Uh, Yes. To, to the big screen, the silver screen. Yes. See, now in my day, <laughs> you'd be happy to be a maid. Um, so, um, quick, super quick follow-up. We got nothing near resolution yet on Mr. Robot. No. Nope. We, nice, uh, we got a nice email from somebody who took us up on the uh, request to go into their ATV and look at whether they can watch. Some people seem to have no problem with Mr. Robot on the ATV. There's still not a surpassing amount of data out there that tons of people are getting it, but it's such a weird conundrum, and I can't stop thinking about it. Well, mm-hmm. I don't want to. Can we do, to talk about it? Would be to spoil it. What the Mister Robot thing? Oh, well, I still have. I'm still way behind. I've yeah. been watching Patriot, guys. Patriot. Okay, Patriot I on, saw you tweeting about Patriot. What's the Patriot what on that? Amazon Prime Video? This is officially. I'm going to. I'm going to do that thing where I wear people down. This is my new Hawkeye title. Um, th- uh, it's not for everybody, but people really need to watch that pilot and decide whether it's for them because I'm seven episodes in and it's it's quite easily, not only not only probably the best show of the year for me, wow. most, but one of the best things I've ever seen. Not for everybody, but... It could. This could be another Synecdoche, New York. This could be another one of those, like, I'm the only person that thinks this is one of the great, great things. But on the chance that you trust, on the off, horrible, terrible, very bad chance that you think that my taste is sometimes interesting, just take this one on the strength. Take an hour, so this watch is that pilot, and see what you think. To prevent Iran from going nuclear intelligence off <laughs> that? Yeah. That one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it does what it says on the tin, but it's way more than that. And it's it's an amazing cast. Some of the best writing full stop. The use of language is incredible. The beats, the way the story is told. Enough said. Either try it or don't, but like all I ask you is blow. Be prepared to blow an hour of your life and roll your eyes after an hour, but watch the pilot and see what you think. All right. Is my feeling on that. It's well, on Amazon Prime Video. I have it in the show notes. Dan? <clears throat> for the last time, hopefully of 2017, where would people find show notes for episode uh, Diggity 356 of your Back to Work program? Uh, 5x5.tv slash B is in brothers, 2 is in the number, W is in women, slash 356. 356. Yes. Mm. Uh, I, have a, I have a TV record show recommendation. Oh, no, please tell me. Uh, also, another Amazon Prime show. I don't think it was Amazon Prime by you know wasn't made by amazon prime but it's on amazon prime it is called fortitude 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 and it uh there have been two seasons uh, apparently it's you know it, the, the second season just premiered this year so the first one i think came out in Ooh, 2015 it looks good it is a very okay so it's got stanley tucci in the first season and i tucci. believe somehow dennis quaid is in the second season of it which i haven't started yet this is one of those shows that i heard a few people recommend to me and i read the description i said okay this this could be interesting i don't i don't really know but it it, the first few episodes for me and the other people i've talked to who are watching it we you don't really know at all what's going on you don't have any idea what's going on you don't know who anyone is and even five episodes in i'm you know six episodes in i'm like now i think i've 
got an idea of what's going on, but there are lots of little weird twists. And so this is the interesting thing about it. It, the, the genre that it's listed at in Wikipedia anyway, psychological thriller, but also drama, also mystery, also horror, also science fiction. Um, and so I'm only about halfway through the first season, but the payoff just to get to this point is really, really worth it. I don't think you're going to watch the first episode and say, whoa, I'm hooked. Mm-hmm. I'm all in. But I can think, give it time. Yeah, give it time. It's a very slow pace. No, so basically, it's supposed to take place in Arctic Norway, but in real life, it's filmed in Iceland. Um, okay. All right. I, I think you've given enough. It's very interesting. And uh, all I will say is uh, there's a mammoth. Okay. 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 Um, I'm going to put that on the list. I also started your wormwood. What do you think of the wormwood? I only watched the first episode, but I really liked it. I'm a fool for Sarsgaard. I love that guy. I thought it was really. I thought it was. It was really good and very interesting storytelling. Mm-hmm. Very interesting take on the way to tell that story too. The mixture of dramatization with real actors yeah, and <laughs> that's his thing. He's great at that. I mean, I, I saw it's Errol Morris we're talking about here, and I guess you, if you told me it was Errol Morris, I forgot. But um, yeah, I, I remember seeing Thin Blue Line in the theater and just being slack jawed. I was like, well, this is an amazing piece of storytelling. Um, there's also that somebody was reminding me there's that on uh, do by Friday. Somebody was reminding me that there's a wonderful episode of radio lab about that photo of the cannonballs. Do you know that story with, him? um, no, I don't know that one. Errol Morris cannonballs, which came first, the chicken or the egg cannonballs, cannonballs, added to notes. We've got a lot to talk about. Do you want to tell me about something you like? Yes. I would love to tell you about your, Merlin, you're a special mm-hmm. friend. Yeah. Text Expander. Oh, come on. Text Expander? You're closing out the year. Woo! Text Expander helps you communicate smarter. So let, let me set the stage for you. Let's say you get home from a conference, right? You've got a collection of new contacts now. The bunch of people you met, you want to follow up with these people. These are your new friends, your new business contacts, whatever mm-hmm, it is. Mm-hmm. You can go in there. You can create a Text Expander snippet that has your follow-up message in it that says, I just had, you know, hello, friend, and you put their mm. name in there, right? And you'd say, uh, I <laughs> if, you just, meet, if you meet Elliot, I had, I had a great <laughs> hello, time friend. meeting you, uh, and I wanted to follow up with you. Well, here's the thing. You can create these little fill-in fields, mm-hmm. so it almost is like a little form, so that when you paste the, the snippet in there, it's not the same snippet. You can customize that snippet. It's the same thing that I'll do sometimes when I'm doing... Uh, support tickets for fireside things like that someone emails and it's a common answer but i want to personalize it i don't want to just cut paste i want to make it personalized so you can do that by putting the person's name in there it'll prompt you to fill in these little blanks and that makes your uh your response message or your outgoing email or whatever it is that you're working on something that that's personalized and and more relevant and yet it'll save you time in between but you can do a lot more than that you can blow through repetitive tasks like typing a phone number, typing an address, typing an email address, all of that kind of thing. Uh, basic responses, you can do all the same way. And then now you can share all of these snippets that you make with your colleagues so that everybody is going to get their work done faster. And, uh, and that's the magic and the power of these snippets. And it's just one example of what can be done with, uh, with Text Expander. Merlin, I know you're a big fan of Text Expander. What do you use it for? I use it all the time. I, you, uh, I mentioned this one before, but the one that's 
<clears throat> I have a certain way that I do my sponsor reads uh, on a show, which will be something like, uh, this episode of Back to Work is brought to you in part by Deedly D. You can learn more about Deedly D right now by visiting beep boop boop, you know, etc. And so I have a text expander um, form fill-in where I type S-P-O-N-S-T-A-R-T, spawn start. And then I can, so this episode of, and then I pull down to which show it is, is brought to you in part by, and there's a fill-in field. So I could say, foo company. Now, because of the fact that this will replicate fields automatically, I only have to type that once. I say foo.com, and I could say, you can learn more about, and that's already filled in, foo.com, right now by visiting, and then I type in the URL, foo.com. I hit OK, it types it all in. Um, it, in addition to keeping you from making dumb errors, if you know, you realize that you don't always have to be Tolstoy. You don't always have to be Dickens. There's certain kinds of things you mostly want to just get right. You'd want to, you don't want to misspell somebody's name. You don't, and on the other hand, you don't want to go far as some kind of douchebag mail merge thing, you know, to say, you, I have an idea for a guest for a podcast, which I definitely enjoy for <laughs> right. talking. Um, no, but that's, I, I use it for stuff like that, that constantly. But to, to the, the really boring truth is it is most useful for me for the most quotidian of, of reasons, not having to type emails, not having to type uh, phone numbers, not having to type my address. Um, lots of dumb corrections, correcting the spelling of my name, stuff like that. I use it for some pretty exotic stuff, but the truth is the, the way that it saves my bacon constantly is in filling in things like, like you know, <clears throat> I have a different address that I use for most services because I'm a weirdo. And for example, with the popular Amazon service, I have a bespoke email for that that's not my typical email. And so I type in A-M-Z-N-E, bloop, and it types in my email address for Amazon because I'm sick of typing that. And it's like, it's just, it's stuff like that just makes it so easy. It gets into your muscle memory and it'll seem crazy that you ever lived a life without it. It's the best. Really, really, actually legit, highly recommended. Well, they have a special URL and I don't, I don't love the URL, but I love the company. Yeah. Um, it's the, like, it's like a child. You look past those things, right? Yeah, you have to, you have to take the yeah. good with the bad. And the mm. good is uh, you're going to get 20% off your first year of uh, of all this uh, this subscription uh, stuff that you do with the the magic of snippets that that's the good the 20% off is the good the bad it's mm. textexpander.com still good slash podcast oh boy that's it that's what they <clears> gave are us are we the only podcast that they have sponsorship uh, yes you know what i think it's the only one so it's textexpander.com/podcast mm-hmm. and uh 20% off of your first year so uh thanks very much to text expander from smile for making this show possible. Do they got to go in or a code or anything, Dan? No code. No code. Just textexpander.com slash podcast. We just want to help the nice people. Please, please go and get this, get this application and service. It's really, really gold. Thanks for many, many years of support to our friends at, uh, at Smile. Pock, pock. You have an idea for a topic that I think is very interesting. I I can throw away pretty much all the stuff I've got here. Um, why don't we talk about your topic? I don't want you to throw and, anything away. It sounds no, 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 no. It's all it's all evergreen. Um, I've got. Uh, we can come back at the end maybe to uh, listener questions and feedback. All right. Uh, listener Andy wants to know how to block iPhone uh, spam calls. Listener David wants to know about options for plain text sync. And uh, listener Dan, not you, had some very interesting observations about the kinds of suggestions that he gets on Netflix. But 
let's see time allowing we might come back to those but thank you to everybody who does write in keep doing that that's great but um, tell, tell me this cockamamie theory of yours because I want to debate you about this. Okay. Well, it's not just I'm not alone in, in having this theory. And actually, it was funny because I've been thinking about talking about this today on the show. And uh, I guess earlier this month, there was an article written about this similar topic that for some reason today is being tweeted about. Um, it's, uh, it was an article by uh, John C. Dvorak writing for PC Magazine, which still exists. And he says, Apple is ready to ditch the Mac. History and advertising highlights... Is this really happening? Are you really really referring to a John Dvorak article? Yes, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I'm doing it. The article came up to me, it was people were tweeting about it today, and I had already been planning on and talking to you, so I, I put hmm. this in the show notes. But okay. what I'll, what I will, um, I think he gets some things wrong. But one of the things that I put it in notes so I can see it. It is, it is, uh, it was just in there, and then there's a little thing. I'm going to clicking and putting. Uh, but anyway, I will, I will get that in there momentarily. But okay. uh, I think he gets a few things wrong. But w- one of the things that I've been thinking about for a long time, and what really made me start to think about this was the latest or one of the latest iPad Pro... Have you, um, have you stated what the actual thing is I'm, at this I'm, point? I'm leading up to it. Okay, because this is going to be very confusing to our listeners. I know. They'll, be, they'll, they'll stick out, around. Right. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it very shortly. Um, Apple is slowly uh, phasing out Macs. Macs mm. will become, and in in I, I say relatively speaking, a short period of time... They will exist, but they will exist primarily as tools for developers and only for developers. And I'll, I'll get to why I think that. Um, okay. There there are a number of things that Apple has been doing. If you take a step back, and both of us, and I think many of our listeners, spend a lot of time uh, very close to uh, the, the technology that we use. We're looking at it very closely. But if we can stop doing that and take a, a big step back... As if we're not even part of this community and we're not even users of this technology and we're just looking at it. I think you'd see something different. And this is my proposal. I think we'd see something different than what we see when we're very close in. And so here's something to, to consider. Um, Apple came out with uh, a, the What's a Computer iPad Pro commercial, which uh, is in the show notes now. And uh, basically, the, Apple has this on their own YouTube channel right now and, and that's what i've linked to in the show notes and they say ipad pro what's a computer and this is a commercial that shows a uh girl she looks like she's maybe early teens kind of messing around on her ipad pro all day she's creating things she's doing school projects she's playing games she's having fun and she's doing all of this with abs- the absolute freedom that only an ipad can grant you. In other words, no wires, no cords, just this tiny little thing she chucks in her bag and carries around. And it, it, uh, it's a very realistic, I think, because both my kids have iPads and I can say that this is all, anything she does in there is, is stuff that kids can do and, um, and really does show off a lot of what's capable of, uh, you know, what the iPad is capable of. And it ends by it has her sort of in the backyard and her parent. Uh, leans out the, or perhaps it's a neighbor or a grandmother. I don't know, uh, but they. She leans out and says to the girl, "Hey, what are you doing on your computer?" And in a very sort of nonchalant way, without really looking up from the screen, after she's been computing all day, says, "What's a computer?" Now, mm-hmm. 
Um, what's interesting about this is, you know, what, she's either saying one of two things. She's either saying, um, what's, what, are you, like, what are you talking about? This ain't a computer. This is better than a computer. Or she's like playing it straight and being like, I don't even know what a computer is. This is technology. This is the future. So keep that in mind as I talk about the next thing. If you look at the things that they've been doing on the Mac side of the house, um, they've been working more. I remember famously Steve Jobs uh, was talking to the laptop development group at Apple or, or this came out of that group somehow, but he had said, look, here's an iPad and he hit one button and the thing came up, screen was on, it was ready to go. And he says, how come our computers take so much longer to come out of sleep, to wake up. And you know, this was, this was the first time that I really started to think Apple is really making a conscious shift to pushing this new kind of device as the, the default device for a lot of people. Then you get comments from Tim Cook saying, Oh, all I really use is my iPad. It's what I travel with. It's what I use pretty much all the time that's my basically, main there's lots of little signals they're telegraphing lots of little signals uh, my wife's primary computer is her um the, the larger ipad pro that's been her main computer for a long time the way that you've seen icloud integration so that all of your documents and things like that are now in in icloud and they're synced across all devices seamlessly the way that they're pushing for photos to do the same thing all of these and then when you start looking at things like the touch bar you know apple's committed to having uh, to not making a macbook or a mac into an ios device they don't want you to touch your uh screen they want you to touch the keyboard and the trackpad. But if you look, the trackpads keep getting bigger. The keyboards keep getting flatter. Now there's a touch bar on the keyboard. How soon until we just have a single surface that doesn't even have separate keys and we're just tapping on a big piece of glass maybe because the touchpads are glass and they click and we wouldn't know that they weren't moving. I mean, all of this is taking us in a direction so that I'm not saying Macs are going to morph into iPads. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think that what they're doing is hmm. they're making it so that even using a Mac is like using an iOS device in many ways. Now, you've heard rumors that Apple's working on their own chips, that they're going to be releasing these ARM chips that will eventually replace the Intel chips. I think that's fine, but I think that's a separate issue. I don't think that that's uh, necessarily here. I've read these recent um uh, speculation, speculative articles that have come out saying that Apple is maybe working on a single development kit. So that would let you make an application that could then work on the Mac as well as on iOS. I'm not sure if that's the case either. But if it is, all of these things are trying to position the iPads as the way that people interact with Apple hardware. They're going to have the phones, they're going to have the iPads. And services, importantly. And very importantly, yes. Thank you for mentioning that. But Macs themselves, mm -hmm. I don't think that they're, well, we're going to phase them out and get rid of them. It's not going to be like that. It's not saying, well, goodbye to the Mac forever. I think they'll still make them, but I think that they'll be developer tools. These will be things that the only, the only reason you would want to use a Mac would be because you want to build software for other platforms and when i tweeted about right. this i, I okay. tweeted this morning and i said um i said basically what i'm saying to you now in a you know a couple hundred characters and i said hashtag fight me you know mm. like t 
tell me I'm wrong. A lot of people agreed. A lot of people disagreed. One of the biggest comments that people said, and, and multiple people said the same thing almost in the same way, is when I see a release of Xcode for the iPad, then maybe I'll believe you. But that's mm. the wrong way to think about it. I, I don't yes. think that they're going to be building the iPad. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of like saying, like, why can't I get my phone book on the television? It's like, well, right. you're thinking about this paradigmatically wrong. Right. I just, I think if you think about it, if you think about the advantages, if you take the programming aspect out of it, if you take the development aspect out of it, and maybe if you take the high-end video editing aspect out of it, what can't you really do on your iPad, you can pretty much do everything. And if you want to dock, you know, connect a, a keyboard to it bl- with Bluetooth, you can do that. You know, there mm-hmm. are people who say, well, I don't ever want to have to touch the screen. Well, guess what? Both of my kids, even though both are totally computer savvy, they both touch the screen of the Mac once in a while. They're like, all right, I can't do that with this thing. You oh, know, like you've never done that. I do it. I, I'm tempted to do it all the time. My daughter does do it all the time. Yes, and I mean, and that is, and that is because in many ways it, it makes sense. That's her computer, right? That's, that's how you interact yes. with it. And so, when I say soon, I don't mean in a year. I maybe don't even mean in five years. But do you really think that our kids who are single and now suddenly double digit ages? That they're going to be working professionals and sitting down in front of a, like a regular Mac or a PC, a, de- a dedicated desktop no, computer. No. Right? Okay. Well, the way you frame this, I feel I'm much more interested in talking about this with the way you framed this. Just when you attach John C. Dvorak to some kind of announcement about computers, I tend to uh, sprint in the other direction. Um, <laughs> I see what you're saying. In the, in the famous to, to mangle the old Steve Jobs analogy, you know, uh, the desktop. What does he say? Like, well, is, it, is a truck versus a car, right? That was that what he said? That basically you can think of I think desktops so. as being like a truck and iOS devices as being like a car, right? And I mean, it's so. This is in a way, and I haven't thought this out. I've had five minutes to think of this, but one way to think of it is like, well, now you'll be able to buy a very powerful truck or an incredibly capable bike. Like you'll, or that's not even the perfect example, but but the idea would be that the middle of the road thing is not going to be something that they push, let's say. And now if we introduce to this two concepts, one concept, Merlin's 2018 uh, thought technology about not getting too cleft to nostalgia and sentimentality. Let's introduce that alongside John Syracuse's concept of the infinite time scale. Well, on the infinite time scale, will desktop Macs as we know it always exist? Let's be Sherlock Holmes for a minute here. Well, no. Right. Like in 30,000 years, there probably will not be something called the Mac desktop. Okay. What about tomorrow? No. So sometime between now and 30,000 years, there will not be something called a Mac desktop. Now, if we introduce the fir- our first principle of Merlin sentimentality <laughs> article, uh-huh. uh, well, is there a chance that we are resistant? So when we say things like, well, when I get Xcode on an iPad, I'll you know, come and talk to me. Well, maybe that's not really the way to look at it because Xcode is the thing they made for your computer box. It's not the thing that they would make necessarily for your iPad box. Right. I don't know exactly what that would look like, but I hear what, and so I'm now, if we frame this differently as instead of, is Apple phasing out the Mac? Uh, it feels like clickbait to me. Will Apple continue to try to innovate with iOS devices in a way that make the need for a desktop Mac less essential? That feels like a pretty safe bet. Right and and in the interregnum until what the next thing comes along, you know this is the problem with all this futuristic BS is we're so bound to our idea of how things have been and are now, 
And we tend to look for things. It's a kind of confirmation bias where we're always looking for the thing that's going to prove the thing that we would like to believe, right? And so we're going to constantly come up with these extreme examples about why something can never happen. And we see how well that turned out in 2016. Um, but, but I hear, I, I do hear what you're saying. So are you saying, so let me put it this way. You're not against buying another Mac at some point in the next two years if one came along that suited you, especially with the kind of work you do. No, and I mean, it's not I like you're personally I, I, saying you're done with the Mac. No, I'm not done. I've got a MacBook Pro that's only a few months old here and a, and a really nice LG screen that I've docked it into every day. Um, I'm, I love the Mac platform and I don't want it to go away. I don't want it to change. But we're not talking about one year, two years. Right. We're talking in. In the future, we're talking somewhere, I would say, it, you know, at least five years away, um, you know, because I think there will always be a reason for people to have and use a computer. I don't want to say always, but in, in as far forward as I until can really something, think about until it. Something, but there's got to be two factors that change. This is the thing, at least two factors that change. And this is the problem where people get really wound up. It's like if we fixate on just this one point, which is like, well... If I want to do all the stuff I used to do in the past, I'm going to need a computer. Okay, F- fair enough, I guess. Well, if I do things the way I like to do it, I really need a computer. Okay, well, I know that as of right now, the fastest way to do all of that stuff is most def on my computer. All completely legit, all completely true, but it all accounts, it, it, it's based on this assumption that this stuff evolves on this very unflinching arithmetic line, which is not the case. Because if all you do is say like, oh, you know, give me a bunch of reasons why I'll always need my home computer box. Well, you can certainly come up with those, but then, but what about the rest of the freaking world? I don't mean the people of the world. I mean the technologies of the world. I mean the services of the world. Like if somebody, what if somebody had said to you, I mean, you could have asked this in a really arch, like ask the genie a wish way a few years ago, which would be like, you know, um, Hey, I know you really like your new iPod. Like, what if I told you that FireWire was going away? Right. You'd be like, oh, God. But I won't exist. How, how can, can I, I exist? How can I get music onto my iPod if we don't have FireWire? Well, guess what? That was not that, that long ago. <laughs> That's in a high schooler's lifetime that that was the case. And now today, there's like three different things about that that don't even make sense for reasons that would not have been clear at the time. The iPod came out when Wi-Fi was very, very nerdy and difficult aftermarket stuff to do. Right. Right. Wi-Fi as it existed was, you get an Orinoco card and close your eyes and think of England, hope it works, (laughs) such as it is. Firewire, man, ooh, way of the future. Right. Right? So now, but now we're in a whole different world where all that stuff, guess what? How about this? How about your iPod is not an iPod, Firewire doesn't exist, and your music is not even on the thing that you listen to music on. Okay, that's just crazy talk. Like, take all of your pills today, Come back to me when you can right. make some sense. Of I need course. my computer. And you know what we would all have said? Are you nuts? Who would want that? Yes. I want to own all my music. Do I you know how be- slow Wi-Fi is? So I slow. Mean, if I, I mean, okay, so let's just say for the sake of argument, <laughs> FireWire goes away. Okay, fine, Professor. Let's assume FireWire goes away at some point. All right, how will I get my music onto my iPod? And you're going, and Future Boy goes, um... This is going to be very, it's very difficult. I'm sorry to sound condescending, but the, the part about this that's difficult is you're too cleft to the idea that the way you listen to music on your new device is to plug it in with FireWire and get your MP3s on there. Uh, here's another thing. MP3s aren't really so much of a thing anymore. Right. Okay. Right. All right. No one What's has, next? no one even has MP3s oh, anymore. 
Left is right, up is down, public is private. Like, what uh, What other madness are you going to offer? Well, here's the thing. Uh, your music will – you're not even going to, like, be listening to the, your records and tapes and CDs anymore because all that music is available to f- stream for next to free from these services. Oh, wait, okay. Okay. So you're telling me I'm going to pay somebody what would be like $500 a month and I can listen to anything I want. No, it's pretty much 10 or 15 bucks a month and you can listen as much as you want. Yes, but what about the Firewire? <laughs> Dude, the Firewire is going away and you will get it. You will get, you will listen to it on your phone. Okay, let me get this straight. I open up my Samsung. You see where I'm going with this. I'm being ridiculous because we can all, I think, look at something from 15 years ago and like kind of go, oh, you sweet, silly bastard. You had no idea how all of these seven different things are going to change. And, if, and so what? Now, you want to be the last person on the planet who's still using their three-pound iPod right. <laughs> attached with FireWire to an iMac, like a, like a Bondi Blue iMac? Well, okay, I guess you get to win that particular conversation, but you're really kind of losing it in the lights on what has changed and improved in that amount of time. What if there were form, a format that sounded better? Right. MP3. What if you didn't have to rip it? What if you didn't even have to worry? What if, like, with the exception of maybe your crazy fish, uh, fish, you can subscribe to fish and you can go get all the fish. You can get fish on archive.org. What's archive.org? Hang around a couple of years. It's really cool. Anyway, you see where I'm going with this. That I think that's, if we can just for a moment laugh at ourselves a few years ago at how much we understood about what a computer did, it becomes less difficult today to go, I need to have some humility here and accept that things are going to change in ways that are confusing at first, in ways that I cannot understand. And my my love for this thing that I connect with a firewire cable should not obviate n- new information coming in that tells me why I maybe don't need that box or that firewire cable or those MP3s, even though that's why I got into this stuff. No matter how much you love your your assembly code, like maybe you're not going to need that to right. put your recipes into your home. I love I that. I, I reordered scissors this morning. I said, Dingus, reorder scissors. And it said, these scissors? And I said, yeah, those scissors. And I hit a button. C- could you, I mean, come on. That is some Jetsons level stuff. It really is. And, and you know, I'm glad you mentioned the lady in the tube because I think that that, and we've, I've said this over and over again. I'll say it again. I think that the future is not even tablets or phones. It's uh, it's all intelligent assistance. It's all the kind of stuff that we see with the Amazon Echo and with Siri and with things like that, that, that the future of the interface is no interface at all. Because if you told me that I wouldn't ever have to look at a screen again except to like watch a show that I was interested in, I'd be very happy about that. I mean, I'm, I don't know what I do for a living, but... You know, what I'm saying is like it's it is not natural for us to be frozen at our desk staring at computers for hours and hours and hours a day. It It's normal in 2017, mm-hmm. but it's not that's, natural. That's what we grew up on. That's let's let's get back to Merlin's first principle. That's like all stuff that we that was all very normal to us. But if you jet back to the what mid 80s. Right. And I'm going to talk out of my ass for a minute here. But if you jet back to the mid 80s or even let's say earlier and you said said to somebody who's interacting through a terminal interface, let's say even the late 70s, you say like give me your wish list for computers right now. And what would that wish list be? An easier way to change my profile, a different font. And you go like, well, think bigger. You'd be like, oh, geez, I don't know, like a larger terminal to view on, a, a larger ter- like width to, to like what I could do, access to different shells. I'm like, well, what I want to say is like, you're going to get all of that, but you're not going to need mostly any of it mm-hmm. to do the stuff that you're doing right now. 
Like, you know what I mean? And that works at every single step of the way. What if you go to somebody in in 2004 and say, what are your greatest wishes for a database? Oh, I, I wish it was easier to run Access on a Mac. And you'd be like, oh, so what is it you need to do with that? Well, I need to hook it up with ColdFusion <laughs> right. to be able to do this. You're right. Like, well, why are you using ColdFusion? Well, I'm using ColdFusion because I need a, a lightweight dingling language for being able to have a dynamic website. It's like, well, yeah, but what if you could pay $12 a month <laughs> And design it with drag and drop. And you didn't even need a database. And it had Amazon. And you could sell stuff. Oh, and by the way, you can just touch on your phone and buy stuff with it. And it's $12 a month. <laughs> right? Well, that would sound like I wouldn't have a job anymore. Well, yeah. congratulations. Yeah. You, you've <laughs> so, I mean, it's part of what I think part of what I know, part, definitely what I'm saying. And part of what you're saying is like the, the myopia, it's not so much like, oh, we're looking to throw or history under the bus, or say like, oh gosh, you know, we, we don't like Max anymore or anything like that. It's more a way of saying like, gosh, when are, when are we gonna, again, that word humility, when are we gonna have the humility to realize that all this ch- stuff changes on axes that we can't anticipate? And when will we get with the fact that, like, even like you were saying right there, the interface, well, the interface, well, what, what is interface going to mean? Right now, interface this morning means I can walk up and say, like, you know, um, order, I could say dingus, order lavender bubble bath because we're out of lavender bubble bath. The entire transaction takes like 10 seconds. Well, is interface really the way to think about that? Yeah, probably for now. But you know what? We, we still have all this baggage from all of our previous generations right. and our, our expectations. And like, like what happens when we stop thinking of every device as something we type on in order to accomplish a task? And I, and the thing is, I'm very proud to say with my humility today that I don't know. I'm, I'm proud to tell you that I don't know what the answer to that is. Because if I guessed, it would be so emotional based on what it is that I like and expect about the past. I like that. I'm, I'm just trying to imagine a world 10, 15 years from now where people are still sitting in front of computers. That would, right. that would be really sad. I'm, there's sometimes where a computer screen or a screen or a tablet is the best way to interact with something. We've talked about how, you know, like picking a movie and movie times to have your little robot voice read that all off to you, that's painful. You don't, No one wants to hear that. To have a robot voice read a restaurant menu to you with the ingredients listed, no. You just want to be able to glance and skim. So there's times where screens or displays make perfect sense. But there's so much of what we do, and I absolutely loved your analogy before because it's, it's, it's exactly right. There's so much of what we do now that's based on a limited understanding and the fact that we think a lot of things are impossible. You know, I remember when my father-in-law got his first uh, iMac Mm -hmm. and until that time he had been a, I'll say probably a a hoarder of music. You know, he had, he had vinyl and then he moved from vinyl to cassette tapes and then he moved from cassette tapes to CDs. And so he had hundreds of CDs, uh, all the music, because he's a huge music lover all of his life. And he has had a huge library of CDs. And I said, well, you know, you, you, uh, and so he had one of those CD, remember the CD changers where there'd be a carousel and you could absolutely put, get like, like a, like a four or six disc changer. Right. And then the next thing they had where they sort of, for lack of a better term, they were like little cartridges where you would load 10 CDs into it. I remember, I remember being very envious of my friend who had a very high end tape deck that would do that could automatically flip it. Could flip flip the tape. Because, really? 
Right, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, in that case, it used to be in the very early days, it would actually go gleep, gloop, zeep, zorp, and turn it around. But then you got like um, auto rewind, auto, what, I forget what it's called. But the thing where basically when it got to the end of the tape, it could then, I guess, run the head backwards or however, and it would like play the opposite side of the tape. And that seemed like magic. I mean, it, it well, and it was. And, it, and if you mm-hmm. think about like the thing with the CDs, if you, put, if you were having your party, and you wanted to have a bunch of people over and you wanted to have music, you'd load in four, six, ten different CDs. And in between the songs, it would take it about a million years to stop playing, move to the next one, <laughs> pop the thing. Right. So you'd have like a 15 or 20 second gap of time in between the two songs playing so that you could get anything but the one album playing. And, you know, like if, if again, going back to say, well, what would make this better? No one's going to say, I don't even want to have a hardware device. I just want a speaker and I can tell it the kind of music I want to hear and every song it plays is going to be a song I like. Uh, and, and Imagine I don't, being able to walk up to your cassette player and say, um, play that song that goes, is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Right. And people would be looking at you like, dude, you need to, you need to put the bowl down. Right. Like you are super high right now. Right. You cannot request Queen from a cassette tape. Right. And yet now we can do that. Now and you can do that. And yeah. I never even bought the Queen album. I'm just hearing the song because I wanted to hear the song. There's so much that you have to give up and let go of and say goodbye to to get from does your cassette player flip the cassette versus what we just described. Like it, it is such a huge leap. And yet all of that really happened, you know, since we were in college. Yeah, I'm thinking here about, um, <laughs> I can't believe this is a year and a half already. A year and a half ago, June 30, 2016, episode 29 of Reconcilable Differences, we did an episode called Six Fax Machines, where we talked about the future. And I said, in particular, um, it was to me to sort of interview John Syracuse about how he thinks about the future and why he seems so like, given what a, what a turd in the punch bowl he is about almost everything, yeah. why it is that he seems so like weirdly positive about the possibilities of tech in the future. But I forget that title must have been it must have been from John. But six fax machines because if you go you go back to like say nineteen eighty nine ninety when fax machines first came along, you might say like well, like this fact this is amazing. Like what do you love about this? Well, I love the fact that I can just type in somebody's phone number and I can just send them this piece of paper because it was pretty amazing and they they were pretty durable. And you might say like as you go along like okay, what would make this more powerful? Well. I can tell you what's annoying. It's annoying that if somebody picks up the phone while I'm calling, it just gets disconnected and I have to start over and you go, okay, okay. What else would you do to improve this? Uh, well, I don't love that thermal paper that's really smeary. <laughs> It'd be really cool if I could have plain paper in there. I was like, you'd go like, okay, okay, what else? Uh, well, you know, it's a long distance call, so it's still kind of costly to send that stuff. And you go like, okay. Um, what if you could drag a picture of that document onto another picture on the phone that's in your pocket and it would go to them without a fax machine? And you'd be like, oh, trick question. Plus also, that's very confusing. How would I ever do that? Well, we have so many... And so the, the, where the title came from was like, well, what does what does real like improvement looks look like? Like, I have the best fax machine in the world. How would you improve on this? Oh, it'd be only better if I had six of these. <laughs> That's the only improvement. Is like, like, what would you do to make this that much better? What's the most baller fax machine in the world that you can buy right now? Right. right. <laughs> it's one that lets you time travel from 1990 to now to where you don't need a fax machine. That's the best fax machine. <laughs> it's a TARDIS. Right. Anyway, we're beating 
putting it to death, but like I need to, I'm saying this because I need to hear this too. Because it's just so easy to get wound up in all and like dogpiling all these excuses about why it can't change. We should get back to the Mac. So do you think it's going to – you look at something like the iMac Pro, which I think looks very impressive. People keep talking about how expensive this thing is. Yeah, it's expensive, but compared to a Lisa, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what, you're, what you get for $5,000 on this computer is bananas. Right, but that's I, the whole think. thing. It's like somebody walking into a, a Bentley dealership and looking at the, the Bentley and saying, well, you know what? This one's kind of expensive. Like, yeah, yeah it's right. expensive because it's like the best possible thing that you can buy. You know, like yeah. it's the highest end computer that Apple has ever made. And I could buy this one, <laughs> this one knife that I'd have for 50 years, but it's a hundred dollars. Why don't I instead buy 200 pairing knives at the dollar store? <laughs> right. <laughs> Isn't that equivalent? Yeah, Isn't no, that it roughly, really is. 200 pairing knives is roughly equivalent. Look at the dollar amount. That's just too costly for a knife. <laughs> I'm going to carve a turkey by throwing these across the room like I'm a ninja. Um, so do you, th- I guess what I'm trying to get at is in the medium term, in the <clears throat> one, two, three, five year window. So do you think you th- your, your thesis is that they're going to be innovating and pushing the Mac less maybe, but it'll still be there as definitely as the development tool and as the, well, I, you know, I mean, look at how much they kind of want you to get a laptop. For one thing, right. right? They don't want you to get a desktop computer, and the, they do not have a giant line of desktop computers. That that should probably be a big, you know, a big uh, warning shot right there. Definitely, they they don't, and they're not. You know, yes, we're probably going to see a new Mac Pro sometime soon, uh, and that'll be cool. Maybe it'll be modular and doing a whole bunch of cool things. That, that'll be nice. But this, they're not. This isn't where Apple is going. Where Apple is going is, is iPhones, iPads, and iOS, and making those platforms more and more capable, more and more uh, easy to use for regular people, and more and more affordable. You know, I, already I have, you know, I, I've mentioned that my wife's main computer, we still have an iMac in the house, but... I love my iMac so much. You know, she she loves to use this iPad because... You know, she can use this all day for like two or three days and it it's one charge. You know, she doesn't have to worry about it running out. It's this beautiful screen. It's big. It's but it's still lightweight. Um, you know, that that to me is very much the future of where Apple's going. And if if you're a specialized user who needs special tools, well, then there'll be a Mac there for you to use. And of course, a specialized person might be somebody who's editing high-end video like we mentioned that's very much a realistic thing that you would want to use a mac for and apple will still make sure. it but or or i mean like let's just say an obvious one playing a, playing a certain kind of video game right and whenever somebody says oh well you know the uh mac still represents a huge percentage of apple they're not going to walk away from that no of course they're not going to walk away from it they're going to give you something that they think and maybe in, in fact is a better option for you. They would love it if everybody right now, if everybody who is saying I need to get a new uh, Mac of one kind or another, if instead you went in and bought an iPad, I think that Apple would consider that a win, even though they might be making less money from you uh, in, in the short term, in the long term there. And again, you mentioned it before I'll mention it again, the services that go behind these things, 
they are big money makers for Apple too. The fact that we're all paying now for iCloud, the fact that we're syncing yeah. all of our photos up to one place, it makes our lives so much more convenient, so much easier, and everything's backed up. And we don't, you know, you get a new device, boom, there's your photos. Like that's really, really cool and really compelling. But at the same time, you know, this this obviously locks us into the Apple uh, ecosystem for one, but for two, it means that whenever we want to pick up some new iPad or iPhone or whatever it is, that we can do that. And we can do that in a way that's very seamless and very easy. All the apps are up there in the cloud. They just download right to the thing. All our data pushes down to it. All our photos are right there. It doesn't matter where they are. We can get access to everything. These are the kinds of things that we used to use our computer for. Our computer used to be the home for our music library. It used to be the home for our photos. It's not anymore. iCloud is the home for our photos now. The computer is just one (laughs) of many ways that we can... Uh, add photos to that giant repository of photos. You know, it's reminding me of the episode of Seinfeld <laughs> when Kramer decides he doesn't want to get mail anymore. <laughs> He's sick of mail. Yeah. He's sick of all the catalogs and he goes in and, and Newman, and for some reason, Newman is working behind the counter when he goes in to say, to say he doesn't want mail anymore. And the, <laughs> Post office, everybody gets real sweaty. And he's like, you got it. You got to get cards. He's like, yeah, you got email, fax machines, all of this stuff. And Newman starts sweating really hard. And then, um, who is it? It's diabetes guy is, uh, is, uh, Wilford Brimley is the boss at the post office. And he <laughs> right. comes out and eventually it's this whole like covert, like CIA operation. But that's kind of how it feels. We're like, you go like, Oh, I need a place for all of my music. And you go, well, a lot of that's probably in the cloud. And that works with iTunes match. Yeah. 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 But what about all my movies and TV that fall off a truck? Uh, you can run Plex on a, on a Synology. Uh, yeah, but what about my, what about my, and like, I love all that stuff. I need all that stuff. I have absolutely no need for the iMac Pro at all, but I have to admit that I, it is very tempting to me. It's way, it's too much money given how much I don't need it. But seeing, um, there's in a, in a Slack, Jason Snell's been talking about some of his benchmarks. Spoiler, everything's twice as fast. <laughs> I mean, and that's very attractive to me, oh, but yeah. this has gone a very different direction than where it started. And it's been very thought-provoking to me maybe one coda for this before you talk about something you like uh interesting piece on um daring fireball yesterday updated today um i mean i have an iphone 10 and i i like the face id a lot it really falls short on a couple things involving like paying for stuff like it like one thing that's i don't know if this is a bug or intentional but you can't do you know like where your kids can request stuff and you can okay it Oh yeah, you have to you have to use a password on iPhone 10. It will not accept Face ID. That's a pain in the butt. But I also don't. I'm one of the people who I, I understood, but do not like the inner interface for this. Like in, in order to make this non hackable, there has to be some kind of a physical interaction, right? So even though Face IDs you, and th- then it prompts you. It has an arrow that points to the side button on the screen and says double click to approve this purchase. So I don't know if you saw this article on Gruber's site. I have not seen it. A lot of people uh, were very confused by that because the Face ID works and it says, okay, double-click to approve. And can you guess what people were doing? They were double-clicking on the screen where the arrow button was. It didn't even occur to them to see that that was pointing to a hardware button on the side. And Gruber talks about that a little bit. Now he's got a follow-up, which I think is super interesting. This problem is not new to Face ID. Touch ID has a similar problem. He got, he got several notes from people saying that, like, they have, like, people in their family or their friends. When you get the Touch ID thing and it shows you the fingerprint dingus, like, a lot of people are touching the screen right. with their thumb 
to try and make it go. I mean, if that's not telling, I don't know what is in a variety of ways, not least because, boy, they've really trained us. They've trained us to say, like, do this thing on this part of the screen to make this happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We've learned that interaction model. And it, but it is super interesting to me that, like, first of all, that probably is not the greatest piece of UI Apple's ever come up with. <laughs> An arrow on the side of the screen that's moving and says, click over here. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, it feels like, like, a, like an X10 ad or something like right, that. Right, right. That, to me, is very compelling. And I see it with my kid where she knows you don't touch the screen. Like, please don't touch the screen on my computer. But she can't help herself. I've done it. When I first got really, really into iPhone, I found myself clicking the menu bar on my Mac because I thought it would take me to the top of the page. Mm -hmm. And I would do that. I would go like, oh, my God. Maybe I am living in a a simulation. (laughs) What is happening? Yeah. So it's not the, – the bottom line in some ways is it's not so much that the Mac is going to go away. It's more that there's rumbles that maybe the Mac is going to continue in this direction of being something that's around – it's a very powerful-ish Right. Thing. I think the, the iMac Pro is a perfect example of where we should expect the Mac to go, and that is a very expensive tool for certain people to do specific things in, and as opposed so that, to that – require, That require a lot of firepower. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and, and the decision will actually to, – to your point, the decision of if I need or should I get or should I use a Mac will be how much – you know firepower do you need to address the specific problem that you're trying to solve right now and really the answer mac will only be for a very few very specific things that that the mac as a consumer facing a regular consumer facing product i mean 10 years ago if you were going to go to college you needed a computer whether you got a mac or you know whether you got a dell or a mac was up to you but you you needed a computer now oh, you don't need a computer you need a computing device which includes an ipad or maybe a microsoft surface or you know something something else but the idea that you know with with just an ipad and a keyboard you could write all your term papers you could do your everything that you might ever need to do in college you certainly don't need a whole computer for it and i think that's more and more that's what it's going to be is when when will you need that very specific kind of experience. You'll need it to do certain things. Some of those will probably be software development. Some of them will probably be editing. You know, there, I'm sure there's other things I'm not thinking of that, that people will want them for. But as far as general consumers, when a general con- five years from now, 10 years from now, when a consumer walks into an Apple store or wherever, they're not going to be looking at rows of Macs and they're not looking at them now. If you think about the organization and the way that an Apple store is set up, when right. you walk in the door, you're not looking at Macs. Macs are in the back, on the back row. I was actually looking at um, uh, something on Twitter the other day and, and Marco was talking to somebody and uh, the, the person had tweeted to him saying, look, Apple has a computer history museum in the back of our Apple store. And it showed a picture of, um, you know, a Mac Pro and a, and a Mac Mini and a screen and, you know, and a trackpad and a keyboard. And that's very much, you know, there these things will still be useful. People still have them. But, you know, like the only reason that I would get a PC in today's world is the reason that we got one at home, which is a lot of the high end games. that my son likes to play. But more and more, think about this, the Nintendo Switch has replaced that. He has not touched his computer. I wish the Switch had better battery life for handhelds. Do you have one? 
you know. I, I we now have two of them. It's there. It's really. It's a very very good device. I love it. I could. We could Santa devote a whole one, show. But yeah, on on advice from uh, some friends, we got the the paint shooty game, and she is loving it. It's already like on track to be like probably her favorite video game ever after like four days. It is. Um, it's called Split Splatoon, Splatoon, Splatoon two. two. Yeah. It, oh it my is god, she is loving wonderful. this game so it. much. But it kills battery like crazy. Oh, I bet. I bet. Oh, but what a great device! But when I put that thing together and snapped those, I was like, this is the best build quality of any N- Nintendo device I have ever used. I love it. And uh, we had to. Uh, we had to get a second. We oh, we had to get a second switch. We had to get a switch for each room. No, um, because my son, he's he's so into Zelda on it that it's like that's the only thing relating to that looks, it looks so beautiful. Screen that he wants to do. Do have you played that? I just I just I just started it. I opened it up and uh, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna need to put this away. It is like, I- so great and i My actually day basically consists of playing splatoon 2 until the battery dies waiting for it to charge <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we haven't oh oh here's oh okay ready welcome to 2017 we have not attached an hdmi cable yet really how crazy is that that is crazy i haven't had time to get it out of our disgusting little hands mm. well it uh, when you do dock it to the tv screen mm-hmm. uh it's it's quite fun it's beautiful. It was it 10, it's 10, 1080p, probably? I'm pretty sure it's 1080p. Um, I, you know, it's like one of these things that I'm the wrong person to ask. Like, well, the way, the way Zelda is rendered is I'm sure it'll look great at 1080. It's, it's got it looks a really very good. indie title kind of feeling to yeah, it. Yeah, it does. It really does. And it's, it's so much fun. It just goes on, and there's so much to it. There's so I mean, many layers I, I, I to the was game. Griffin, uh, Gr- I was watching Griffin McElroy's top five games thing on Polygon, and he made it sound like the the world discovering that world sounds incredible. Like there's so much there. Oh, it really like there. Like I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but like at one point early on in the game, there's this little um, like a plant, little plant spirit type thing that hands you some of these little seeds. You're like, what am I going to do with? You know, what do I do with these? Well, like. Hours later in the game, you come across a larger plant thing that's like, oh, you happen to have some of these seeds. Well, guess what? You can trade these seeds and I'll give you another slot in your inventory to hold extra weapons. Like uh, that's one really, really small example of just how much is built into this game. The world is huge. They give you so many different ways. Like there's this one point where there's water and the water is too cold to cross it so even if you're in the water for just a couple seconds because you're in like a, an arctic area if you're in the water for just a couple seconds then uh you'll freeze and die like there's no way for you to get across hmm. but there's multiple ways that you can get across using these different powers you can use the um do you have this oh, sort of yeah mag- and like i saw something like rolling a boulder around and it looks like there's lots of, like you've got to figure stuff out yeah there's so much cool stuff to figure out like there's these runes that you get where you can stop time or freeze freeze time there's other things where you can um there's these little bombs that you get like it just keeps going on and on and there's this master sword that's the sword from the previous zelda games that in order to get it you've got to get uh, a total of 13 heart containers and the way you get heart containers is by solving these puzzles that are in the shrines and each you know so like you get four shrines you get one spirit orb per shrine and if you get four then you get a heart container but you can't pull the sword out until you get enough heart containers like it's it's just fascinating how much has gone into this and the idea of like how did they come up you can get horses and you can take your horses to stables and register them and then once they're registered you can like change their their mane 
and the way they look and like you can also gonna, ride yeah, but a you're bear. Gonna, you know, you know to, to be a real gamer though, you got to get a computer. That can't be that good because it's not on a computer. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you about something I like, Merlin. <laughs> hey, hey, 2017. Let's wrap up 2017. But before we do, mm-hmm. I want to tell you about Video Blocks. It is the Video place blocks. to go for studio quality stock footage, audio and images, all at a fraction of the cost. The content's all royalty free. So you can use it for commercial and personal pro- projects. Doesn't matter. Royalty free. That's the key. You can download all the stock media that your heart desires from their member library. They've got over 150,000 videos, over 100,000 audio clips, and they're always adding something new. So there's always something there that's fresh. You know, maybe you've tried to shoot B-roll yourself or you've used old footage or you've got an image with a watermark on it or whatever. Like, you don't You better hope to God you licensed it properly. Oh, man. Because, like, if that goes on your CD-ROM. Oh, my gosh. You're not going to find out till later. You got a problem, buddy. That is so true. But listen. This is this is the place to go. We're finding. Do I have to worry about that with video blocks? No, there? you don't because it's all royalty what? free. Everything's Come royalty on. free there, and they've got Come so on. much. Here's the deal: you can get all the stock footage, all of the audio clips, all the images you could ever imagine for 149 bucks. If you go to the special URL, video blocks, v i d e o blocks, b l o c k s, videoblocks.com slash back to work. For only 149 that's it. You get access to everything. Millions of studio quality clips, tracks, and graphics from Videoblocks. Check it out. Videoblocks.com slash back to work. What a year. A year in review. What are your hopes for the next year? My hopes for the next year? Um... My gosh, I'm not prepared to answer that. I don't know. I don't know if I have any hopes other than uh, I hope. Well, is there anything you fear? Are you worried about any kind of 2017? Are you worried about an apocalypse or any kind of like a zombie uprising? What kind? Of, what do you hope doesn't happen? Uh, fewer spiders. I just another spider was in the bathroom last night. I had to kill that. Um, that's my main. That's my main thing. I'm not worried about an apocalypse event, a zombie or otherwise. Um. A near miss from an asteroid seems like that's likely every year more likely. Um, you know, maybe we'll see a Mac Pro in 2018 that'll be modular. Oh, That'd be kind of cool. You can just you can feel it in your bones. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. Spiders, zombies. <sighs> Everything's coming up, Millhouse. What about you? What are you hoping for? What am I hoping for? I. Um, you know, good night's sleep mostly. Every night. Good night's sleep every night. That's my well, that's, that's what I want. That's a that's a tall order, my friend. Second season of the Patriot will be coming at some point. That's that's something to look forward to. Yeah. We did it. We wrapped another one up. Can't believe it. Mm, another one in the can. Done. Okay, happy new year. Happy Let's new year. Up. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man.